Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Test, test. Hello? All right, can you say test for me, please? Test, test. All right, perfect. I will. I'm about to get started. Okay, you ready? Sure am. My guest is Tina Thomas. Tina had a near-death experience, and during that experience, she went to a pyramid, and today we're going to learn about it. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, if you don't mind, let's just start at the beginning of your NDEs and go from there. Okay. Um, I had gone to Salt Lake City to visit a friend. Um and I was staying in a room in her basement with my daughter. And we went to sleep. And the next thing I knew, I was in a, in, in a pyramid. Um, and I was wearing a black robe. And I knew that I was there for initiation. And I knew... Like, I was, like, fully aware of my life as Tina, but I was fully aware of what I was doing there. And they had the, the means or the technology to do this initiation where um, I was sealed in a uh, tomb in, down in the bowels somewhere uh, with water. And complete pitch blackness and uh i i spent a thousand years in there fully conscious of uh myself and everything and not having a watch or anybody saying well there goes an hour or there goes a day or a year a hundred years um my mind kind of snapped in so many different ways I can't even describe. Um, 
and I went into the initiation like willingly, but also I didn't want to do it because I knew it wasn't going to be easy and it wasn't. Um, when I woke up from that thousand years, I was paralyzed in my bed uh, from the waist down and I had to urinate so bad. <laughs> and um, I woke up my daughter, uh, I think she was, she was 13 or 14 at the time. And I told her like, I'm going to pee the bed, please help me get to the bathroom. And uh, she helped me get to the bathroom. And um, what went on, what progressed from there was um, six months of trauma seizures. And I was bedridden throughout the whole six months. I couldn't get up. I could hardly do anything. Um, and it was very painful until I um, realized that if I just surrendered to the seizures, um, they not only stopped hurting, they became uh, euphoric and uh, felt so good, almost like orgasmic a little bit. They, they were very, I welcomed the seizures. And um, my friend, my girlfriend in Monterey, um, invited me to come stay with her so she could take care of me and she watched me doing during one of these seizures and she said honey that's called unwinding and people take classes to learn how to do that and I said well because it feels good you know but um I I think I did get like PTSD from that because just coming back from the pyramid um, I couldn't reconcile like the time. Uh, it's just very hard just to be in this normal life as Tina and then know that I went somewhere else for a thousand years, but only one night passed for y'all. Let me stop you there. What caused you to have the NDE? Did you have a seizure or something or was, did you have a medical condition? Yeah, um, so I have I was born with two different birth defects, and one is a heart palpitation disorder. And usually, when that happens, I don't I don't know if I've done if that's happened in my sleep, but when it happens while I'm awake, I'm aware of it, and I just uh, my heart will stop, and I just drop wherever I'm at and fall on the ground, and um, I can. I usually just pop right out of my body immediately and um, I could see people trying to revive me and resuscitate me and stuff like that. And then the other one, the other birth uh, defect is um, just common amongst the females of my family. Um, like my sister and nieces and whatnot, we all have a narrow esophagus and a, like a really small mouth opening like they have to use child tools with me at the dentist but uh, so it causes uh, severe sleep apnea and so like when I've been tested I stopped breathing for um, like 12 times an hour up to uh, two minutes at a time mm. 
and um, I've had I've had near death experiences, out of body experiences, as long as I can remember since I was really little. Yeah, I was going to say you must have had a lifetime of OBEs. I have. It's it's just really weird. It's just been like my secret life, actually. Um, I've just been learning about near-death experiences this past year. Um, and I'm, and I started realizing this explains my life, my reality. So when you were in the pyramid, do you think it was an Egyptian pyramid or a pyramid? Like, okay. You think it was an Egyptian. Do you think it was in another time period? Yes. Like you, like you were, you know, cause I, they say on the other side that t- there's no time anyways. Do you think you like, Yes. can you tell us more about that? Yes. Um, like a lot of the lifetimes I've gone and lived are diff- they're in different periods of time. And I've actually uh, woken up in, uh, not woken up, but, you know, gone to sleep. And then the next thing I know, I'm in this thing called the wheel. Well, I call it the wheel. Um, and it's like a giant merry-go-round, but it's like sectioned off like pie with uh, like curtain looking things. And like, we just take turns sitting in them and looking at them and viewing these life, these lives, like, is this, does this look like a life that I want to jump in and do this? Or, or if not, you get out and go look at the next one, I guess. Hmm. But um, like when I was little, a little girl, um, I had a lifetime as a Native American man and I was in a a fierce battle and we were all naked and um someone and i saw this happen before i died i was already out of my body when uh another man another warrior uh got me in the back with a hatchet and um i woke up in my bed as a little girl just writhing in pain it was so painful and um I had a really hard time accepting that I was a girl um I was quite sure that I was a warrior and uh it didn't make sense to me that I was a little girl (laughs) it sounds like that you have had so many experiences that you have trouble sometimes being in this world because you kind of you're caught up in the other world does that sound true yes um yes and i was i was born into a a very abusive family very strict um religious zealot kind of uh so i i didn't have uh it was hard to find any moments of joy as a child. And then I would go live these other lives. And, uh, but not all of them were bad. I would have to say that like half of my experiences are good while the other half are not so good. But um, I, did, I did try, um, I did start attempting suicide when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continued 
till I was in my 30s and finally I realized it didn't matter what I did that I well, for whatever reason I cannot die I, I'm supposed to be here hmm. so can you give us any more information about the pyramids like anything that you know that for example, no one knows how they built them exactly. Do you have any information like that or any other information that's not known? Um, no, I I know that I was in a, a, a priestess of some kind, like an initiate. Um, and later, like a few years later after that happened, um, I was getting out of the shower and I was like drying my face off with the towel. And um, suddenly I was just kind of like back there for a second and looking at the water and the water was still. And um, there was a beautiful mandala. And I knew that like, I had created that with my mind. It was like etched in the blackness out of some kind of laser light. It was blue uh, looking and it was the most beautiful thing. And um, when, and I would call that one of my spiritual experiences because when I have something like that, I'll have Nirvana for a few days. Uh, sometimes, um, I'll stay in complete bliss for two or three months at a time. In the beginning, you were saying that there was water in the pyramid with you. Is that mm -hmm. like jars of water or is there like water, like a pool or, or something like that? Yeah. In there? Yeah. It was like a pool. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Can you tell us any more about what you were being initiated for? I cannot remember. I do not know. I wish I could. <laughs> it's one of the many reasons I would like to do uh, hypnotherapy. Yeah, that would be amazing. Get some answers. Do you feel like it's more real over there or when you have these experiences than here or are they the same? Um, the lifetimes, they're the same. Uh, the the ones where, um, like, if I like, if I'm with God and God's holding me, uh, that's more real than this life. Mm. Um, experiences like that where I'm taken away or uh, I've had things done to me, <laughs> uh, and they seem much more real than okay. the reality here. Can you tell us more about those experiences? Yes. I, well, actually, I'm, like I said, I'm just like maybe a year into like watching your show and um, listening to other near-death experiences. But um, one of your guests was talking about a kundalini awakening. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I actually had just had uh, my third miscarriage and, um, had tried to commit suicide. I was, I was in a horrible place emotionally and spiritually and just was broken down in life. And someone knocked at my door and I went and looked and, uh, was a young man. And, um, 
I open the door and he starts giving me this spiel about magazines and I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, like I want to help you out. I was almost mother's day. And I, I thought, you know, my mom would like, uh, I don't know, one of those scientific magazines, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then he said, well, I only take cash. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, all I have is checks. And he said, well, do you mind if I pop a squat? And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, he sat down on my porch with me and um, started talking to me and immediately I, I knew he was I, I really strongly suspect that he was Jesus the way he was talking to me because hmm. uh, he was speaking about um, the way to live um, to be happy and the kind of things that will bring me happiness and uh Anyways, but he, he was young. He was maybe 19 and he looked, um, he looked kind of Arabic, but, uh, very handsome. And, uh, he stayed there with me for a few hours and the afterglow of him visiting with me well, he smoked marijuana too. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I don't know if you're Jesus because I'll know I don't I don't want to be sacrilegious, but um yes, he did smoke marijuana there with me and um it was it was his. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. Um and then he left and the afterglow, just the just the pure um love of God or whatever is filled me and surrounded me for a few days and um, I came home from work and sat down on the end of my bed and, um, instantly I felt something there, like a force. It was like an invisible force and it kind of laid me down on my bed and, uh, I, as I was laying down, I looked up and the ceiling above me disappeared and I could see the clouds and um, this thing came out of the clouds. And the, the only way I could describe it is it looked like uh, liquid mercury. And it was, it had a color to it that uh, we don't have here. It um, almost like it had every color ever inside of it. Mm-hmm. And it uh, reached down, well, it, I mean, it just spilled down into me, um, inside of me, inside of my chest. And as soon as it did that, I was just pulsing and pulsing and writhing in complete ecstasy, like God love. Um, but more than God love, because I had a spontaneous orgasm, like I could, and it wasn't a sexual experience. It wasn't like some alien trying to have sex with me or anything like that. It was just really the amount of love that was put into me. Like my body had no other choice but to, and it wasn't like your regular orgasm. It was like every cell in my body experienced it. Um, and that's, I believe was uh, 
my kundalini awakening. Mm. It's odd. <laughs> Do you think that that Mercury was coming from just from the astral world? Um, I'm not sure because it, I looked up into the sky and it was just pouring out over me. It was pouring down from heaven on literally from heaven into me. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had a conversation with God or angel or somebody on the other side about why do you know, about your body and how you just keep having so many NDEs over and over again and why that's happening? Um, no, I, I haven't, uh, I, I have met two of my guides and my angels. Um, and one, one's name is Jorge and he dresses in a old Spanish military uniform. And this other lady, uh, her name's Gloria. She just kind of looks like a you know, she's like in her fifties and maybe from the seventies, this, this plumpy lady, um, named Gloria. And, um, but they were, they were showing things like, uh, they were just showing me things that, that I needed to get help for, like, uh, memories that I blocked out that, uh, things that had happened to me that I, that I, th I thought had happened to me, but I was just too terrified to think about it or admit it to myself. Um, but all of the other beings um, that I met have been quiet. They haven't really said a lot to me, um, not even telepathically, except I did, I did uh, encounter a, alien being mm -hmm. who I talked with. That's during an NDE? No, actually, uh, this was like a paranormal. Par the paranormal followed me and my son around wherever we went. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't my daughter or my husband. It was just always us. And he, my son was maybe he was like 12. And uh, he would he would not sleep in his own room because of it. But um so he was sleeping next to me and I, I was woken up because something was, he was like crying out and fighting. And I looked up and there was this, uh, thing levitating over him, like levitated, just floating. And he was trying to pull my son's essence or whatever out of his body. And I said, no, no, you cannot do that. That is my son. And um, that and, and the, the entity like telepathically replied he said oh okay I didn't know um, I was taking him for my army and um, I said you cannot have him no <laughs> you need to go and it it just went away um, but it was a weird it was a weird looking thing uh, it was it was like human size, but it was like a maybe marsupial-looking thing, hmm. creature. Earlier, you mentioned that the times when your NDE was more real than here, you encountered God, 
and you had things taken away from you. Um, can you tell us more about those experiences? Um, well, uh, I'll tell you my last, ex- my last near-death experience was a few months ago. And, um, I was so excited. I was, I was like this and I was racing, racing through the tunnel. And I was like, Oh God, you're going to let me stay this time. Please, Mm. please, please. You gotta let me stay this time. Um, and I was just pleading with them. I was like, listen, and it was like, I, I became a little child again. And, um, I said, my mom doesn't even like me. She's not even going to miss me. She hates me. And, uh, gosh. And before I could get there, uh, I started breathing again, I guess, uh, because I woke back up and I was like, oh, I'm still here. But, um, yes, I had, um, I had my dad, um, he's, the love of my life and he was taken away from me. Um, and then my grandmother, uh, she was basically raising me and she got the worst case of cancer. Cedar Sai and I wrote a paper on it and I have a copy of her, um, a bit, her, not a obituary, her, um, I don't know the thing they do on you like after an, you die. Oh, like her autopsy. Yes. I have her autopsy report. Um, but yeah, I was seven. I was three when I, when my dad was taken away from me, I was seven when my grandmother was taken away from me and, um, just every, everybody I loved was taken from me. But, um, this man this strange, strange man showed up in, um, in my life. He, uh, he went to our church and he he took my mom out on a date. And after he got to know her, he told her he wasn't interested in her, but he was interested in me and my siblings and, uh, wanted to know if he could, uh, pick us up on the weekends and do stuff with us. And, uh, so, and he wasn't a weirdo, like he was genuinely, um, like a kindred spirit. I think God put him in my life, but he, like, he taught me how to figure skate and roller skate and ski and, um, rock climb and took us hiking and, uh, taught me, he taught me wilderness survival and uh botany and just life skills that i didn't know like i i didn't know i was going to need those things to survive in the future and um so when my mom got remarried she married a um a psychopath pedophile and um and at one point when i was 14 i did have to run away to save my life and I had to live in the woods and everything he taught me, um, I used to survive and I used to hide because search and rescue was deep in the 
I was hiding on the Russian River in Northern California, and there was uh, searchers on horseback, and and I was able to hide and uh, get away. And um, I just I just had to keep running away till I was old enough to live on my own, because my mom wouldn't let anybody rescue me. And uh, so I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure after everything, like standing back, looking at everything I've been through, I'm pretty sure she's my handler and uh, all the things that she, that she put me through, she did on purpose. How often are you still having NDEs? Um, there, I pretty regularly experienced them. I mean, about six months ago, I had, uh, I had, I don't know what to call it, but um, I got to experience hell, but it was not like I was, I wasn't put there, but I was taken there to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, and I will say that it is a real place and it is in the earth. And I believe that it's, um, all of the energy, the dark energy, the suffering, uh, when Jesus died for our sins, I think that's where it all went and it all is there. I don't think hell was created for, for humans. I think it was created for, um, uh, Satan and his minions, (laughs) but, um, just the sound of it was excruciating, painful, in a way I can't even describe, but just, um, just the sound of it was painful. Was it like people screaming and stuff? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. When the Bible is describing gnashing of teeth, it's, I understand why they're, it's just complete agony. Mashing of teeth, like an animal eating something. Like, ah, ah. Oh, wow. you know, like, uh, like just when you're in so much agony, you're just thrashing around screaming and you can't open your mouth wide enough to mm. express your pain mm. adequately. <laughs> yeah. And that was that it was terrifying to come out of that just, uh, because I was like, yeah, I wonder why I got to experience that. Like, I hope it's not a like a bad omen or like a sign that I'm going there, but I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's mm-hmm. the place for me. Right. So are you having NDEs about what once or twice a year or how often do you think you have them now? Oh my goodness. It's hard to say. Um, I don't think I remember them all. Um, Let's see. Most of them, I would say, I would say most of them are, um, I probably don't remember, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them I do. Um, and uh, the weird thing is, is like if when I go in, I guess I I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if they're if they're all near death experiences or if 
if I'm leaving and going and living other lifetimes. Um, or if it's because I've stopped breathing that I've checked out long enough to go live another lifetime mm-hmm. and then come back. Um, but I can tell you that like a lot of them were, um, were like, I don't remember my whole life, but I do remember my death in, in almost all of them I've died. And then, um, some of them I didn't die like the, the time in the pyramid. Um, there was one of them. I was just, I realized I'm in, I'm in the sky and I'm falling at a rapid pace and I have no idea how I got there. And I'm just like, uh, there's nothing I can do but surrender uh, to falling. And um, then I, then as I'm falling, I'm realizing, oh, there's others falling around me and we're all drops of water. And I realized that my whole consciousness, everything, uh, who I am is contained in a little drop of water and I am rain and I am one of the drops in the rain. And, um, and this, this lasted for a while until I hit the earth. And, and just as I was hitting the earth, it, it occurred to me that I could travel to the center of the earth and find out what's there mm-hmm. because I'm water. And that's what I did. And it, it took me a thousand years. So this was another one of those lifetimes. And, but this one, um, it it wasn't like the one in the pyramid. The one in the pyramid was more like my mind uh, snapping and breaking and snapping and breaking and rebuilding and just a constant um, snapping and breaking and rebuilding. But this was more like I had to deal with like uh, feelings of claustrophobia because you get so you get in so deep. There's really no way out. You you just have to keep going, like stay the course and be committed to what I was actually, uh, you know, how I, I, how I wanted to live my life as a, as a drop of rain. And, um, so I just kept going and there were times where I joined underground rivers and there was times where I would just trickle through rocks for long periods of time. And, um, but finally I did come up And um, I don't think this, it may not, I'm not going to say that I know what's at the center of the earth. There might be multiple things there, but where I got to was, uh, was about an 800 square foot like cavern um, where the, the water kind of washed up onto a little pebble beach, like a pebble stone beach. And, um, And then I was done. And as my consciousness was rising, uh, I saw two shofars on the beach. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow one of one of these horns. And I thought I want, I wondered who the other one was for. And I knew it was for uh, a man but I, did, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. And I'll, I don't know if he ever 
lived his life and came up uh, to that beach and blew his horn. <laughs> it's a weird, it's weird. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but that, that was my life. And then I came back here mm. to be Tina feeling uh, even older. So. There's no way that they can help you medically to, to have these, you know, have you keep losing your breath and. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Jeff is, um, is, uh, I finally got, um, diagnosed and, uh, cause my sister told me, so all the girls in the family had, uh, suspension systems put in surgically put into their tongues mm. to pull them forward, um, to sleep at night. But I've had 12 surgeries in my life and I've had a lot of medical trauma and I've got PTSD because of the things that have happened during surgeries and I just didn't want to do it. And so, um, they got, they gave me a, like a, a machine for sleep apnea and, um, Usually people get a CPAP machine, but they gave me a VPAP machine because that V for ventilator, because I just don't breathe. There's no helping me to breathe because I'm just not breathing. Mm -hmm. And um, in Utah, where I was living at the time, um, they kept, I was a very expensive patient because I had a bone marrow disease. And, um, like every month I was, I was at the infusion clinic and that was like $1,200, uh, per infusion. And, um, I don't know if that's why, but they kept, they kept, um, canceling my insurance and letting it lapse for a month at a time. And, mm -hmm. um, my doctor called up Medicaid and said, you're going to kill her. And, um, he finally was just giving me my infusions and um, charge them later for it. Like, he's like, they'll pay me sooner or later, but you're going to die if you don't get these. And But the, the place that gave me the VPAP machine repossessed it. <laughs> like, they said, oh, your, your uh, insurance keeps lapsing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more sick of dealing with it. But they, um, they just kept doing that. They kept canceling my food stamps and... Um, just made it almost impossible for me to survive. Hmm. It was really hard. What do you think are some of the most profound things you've learned during your experiences? Basically, everything that I need to know, I know it in the moment that I need to know it. Every single tool uh, that I've ever needed to survive a moment was right there when I needed it. Uh, every single time I needed food, uh, it showed up, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I think that we live in a loving, abundant universe and that, um, this is who we are. We're, I feel like I'm a child. Um, and I'm in a body that's having an experience. That's the opposite of who I am. Hmm. But everything that I have 
need for is provided for me here. So I kind of feel that like that's true for everybody. I hope it is. Hmm. Um, let's see. Where do I want to go from here? I'm gonna. I can edit stuff out, so I'm just trying to think okay. about what I want. To, what do I want to talk about less? Is there anything that you felt like we've left out? Um. Well, we could talk about the alien stuff. All right. Let me lead you into the question with that. Okay. Okay. So one time an alien was at your house and when you were with your son, have you had any yeah. other alien experiences? Oh, yes. Um, so what kind of woke me up to it uh, was when I was 18. Um, and I had severe tonsillitis, like chronically to the point that my tonsils were full of pus all the time and they were poisoning my heart and I developed a heart murmur. And my doctor told me that as soon as I was finished with my next cycle of antibiotics, they would do an emergency tonsillectomy. Hmm. And uh, so we went ahead and did that. And that was just, that was a weird experience, but just going into the surgery was weird. But when I woke up, the doctor came in and asked me if I knew where I was. And I said, yes, sir. Edwards Air Force testing base, sir. And I just was like batch number and um, all kinds of information. I, I remember being a test subject at Edwards Air Force Base. And my mom looked at the doctor and he was looking at her and Neither one of them said anything, and my mom never asked me about it and never talked to me about it again. But um, in that moment, I had full memory of being a child at Edwards Air Force Testing Base. And, um, and it was just part of having procedures there. I would wake up, and they would, and they would ask me, where are you? And I had to recite my name and my test subject number and my batch number and blah, 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 all this information. And um, I just kind of like didn't know what to do with that information, honestly. Um, but I had memories of going to Edwards Air Force Base with my friend and we were 12 years old and we went to spend the summer there and her mom took us there. And when we walked, we were, she was supposed to babysit for uh, some friends out there. And uh, when we walked in their house, like this is in the 80s, probably, probably 1980, I was 12, yeah, 1980-ish. So um, we walk in the house and um, we go into this room and there's this big TV and I don't think I was looking at the TV cause I'd never seen one like that before. Um, it was big and it was like a flat screen TV. And that's the last thing I remember. I don't remember anything else. And, um, then as an adult, I found my friend, um, Chrissy, <laughs> that's not her real name. Uh, 
I call her Chrissy. Anyways, um, so I messaged her on Facebook and I said, do you remember that summer that we spent out at Edwards Air Force Base? And she's like, huh, I remember spending a summer out there, but you were not there. And she's, you know, then she went and asked her mom and she's like, no, she did not go with you out there. I drove you out there. And I was like, this is so weird. So at that time in my life, I was um, talking to my mom and I asked her about it. And she said, Tina, you've, you've never been to Edwards Air Force Base because she worked there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I described it to her and I said, it's the, the ground is white. The dirt is white. And there's miles and miles of um, like baked, cracked, mud-looking stuff. And uh, Chrissy's mom let us get out of the car and wander around. And I was like picking it up, but they were like uh, cookies. <laughs> like you could pick up these pieces of baked clay. And when, you, when you're going in, there's these um, tall, like skin, skinny, like shacks. Um, that you have to drive past. And I was taken aback because I'd never seen the, the kind of weapons that I saw these soldiers holding. And, um, and then you go in and all the housing, everything like matches the desert scene around. Everything's like, like painted the same color and it's made to look like it blend in with the, with the area. But um, all of them flat out deny that I have ever been there and are certain I've never been there, and I'm certain I have. Um, and then uh, when I was little, I, I have a memory of being taken off planet. Um, and, it, and I know it was different because when I've gone uh, like astral traveling or um, – like left my body or whatever, I'm usually facing, I'm like, I don't know how to explain. It. I'm usually facing where I'm going. But when I was taken, um, there was extreme like G forces and um, my back was to, was strapped against something and I could see earth getting smaller like I was going away from it backwards and where I went, I'm not, I always thought like maybe it was the moon, but I don't know. Um, the, the ground was like, um, like Sandy, but you, all the structures were made of like glass or, uh, like crystal, some kind of crystal material. And it was fascinating to me because, uh, when I would walk in there, like wherever I walked, that portion of where I was at would light up. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was like really advanced technology or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when I was, gosh, maybe 27, 26, 27, I had my kids. Um, I was taken. And this is the only like memory I have of being abducted. But I was taken and I never saw who took me, but um, I woke up in a tank that was, that was full of this fluid and I was breathing the fluid like into my lungs. Mm-hmm. 
and I was with one other person. And for whatever reason, like um, my tank started to drain and it was like set below earth. So as it drained, it started to rise above. But I think, I think it was like malfunctioning because it didn't go all the way up, but it went up enough. Um, somehow I was able to get out of there and I started running for this craft and um, I didn't know where I was, um, but I did know how to fly the craft. I, and I, I don't know how I knew how to fly the craft, but I did. And, um, and I thought, I'm just going to get in this thing and I'm going to take off. And as soon as I made the commitment to do that, um, I heard a, a telepathic uh, conversation between these beings. I didn't see them. Um, and they said, oh, she's, she's never going to go along with uh, what we're doing. She's never going to go along. And um, then it's like something faded me out. I went unconscious. I woke up back in my bed uh, at home again. And um, I, I don't... I don't know if I've been taken again since then. I don't remember anything. Um, my son and I saw a craft together. Uh, my neighbor, my neighbor and I, uh, for whatever reason, we were walking our dogs in the middle of the night, like three in the morning in the middle of the night, um, because we lived up on a hill, like above the city. And it was just cool. It was cool to walk up there. We lived in a safe neighborhood, a relatively safe neighborhood. And um, uh, we stopped and I'm like, we're looking out over where the airport is. And I, I looked at her and she looked at me and we were like, do you see that? And uh, it was this enormous craft, like, um, like the shape of a skyscraper, uh, but huge like a whole city like you could have fit a hundred thousand people in that thing it was huge just mm. floating above the airport but it filled up the whole valley um we saw that uh and um i think there was a there was another time usually i was with people when i saw when i saw stuff but um the last thing I saw this is a really weird one it was like uh it was like December 2015 and I just had gone to a concert it was called a sound bath and um these people came from the Amazon and they played this beautiful music and after the concert um I climbed into a van with some other people and we're driving home and uh, it was a full moon. Um, and all of a sudden, I saw something shoot out of the bottom of the moon. And I thought it was an asteroid. And um, it, was, it was the shape of an egg. It had a tail, like, like a colorful tail, like a, like a flame or something. Like. Um, and I started screaming at the top of my lungs in the kid behind me was screaming 
she saw it too. I wasn't the only one. Mm. And the person driving the van almost crashed. Um, and then right before this thing hit the earth, uh, what I saw, it, it just evaporated. It went away. And then uh, I looked out the other window to the side of me because I could see things flying down towards the earth. And it was like a meteor, a shower, showers of meteors just coming down, pelting down towards the earth. But they didn't look real. It looked like a bad reception on a TV. Um, and then now when I talked to the kid that was behind me, he said, I, you know, I said, I didn't hear anything. I didn't feel anything. And he said he heard an enormous boom and he actually saw that that thing hit the earth and saw he, he heard it and he saw total destruction of everything around us. And the meteors that were hitting the earth were real, like they looked real to him. And I said, they just, they did not look real to me. So I'm not sure if, uh, I always wondered if that was like some uh, uh, advanced technology, like a projector in the sky, like they would, I don't know if it, if it was real, like a hologram or something. I don't know. I don't know what capabilities these things have, but um, that was a very strange one. Do you fear death at all? No, well, no, there's, it's not like that. Uh, I think about, um, and I always have since I was little, I think about the eternalness of things and it's kind of frightening to wonder like <sighs> everything I've been through in this life, like, yeah, this shit could go on forever. Uh, that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not so worried about uh, my body or, or leaving that kind of thing. But um, one of my, one of, in one of my near death experiences, um, I walked outside and uh, the sky opened up and I saw all these uh, planets come together and make uh, the form of the body of Christ. It looked like the body of Jesus Christ. And, um, and I understood that that we are in him, whatever him is. I don't know what him is. Uh, but there, I think there's more than one kind of body that is Christ. And uh, we always belong to that. We don't ever not belong to that. And uh, wherever we go, we're always in that. Um, and in fact, it's like a semiotic like relationship where um, it, it couldn't exist and constantly be expanding without us. And um, like it kind of exists to answer our questions. So I think it's not, it's not really important to have uh, like religion and all this stuff. It's more like have, have a good heart and be, 
be uh, conscious of what you're asking. You know, ask ask good questions and don't ask questions you really don't want the answers to. Hmm. You know. Hmm. Um. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and and ask you questions or chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they do that? Sure. Why not? Um, I'm on Facebook, Tina B. Thomas. Um, I have an email. It's rootlady. It's R-O-O-T. And then lady is spelled L-A-Y-D-E-E at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram too. So, and then that's at, at root lady. Did you get, have you gotten any abilities from your experiences? Like being, like becoming clairvoyant, clairaudient, premonitions or anything like that? Oh yeah. Very, very psychic. Um, Psychic, I'm a psychic medium. I've done a lot of like readings for um, mostly young people who've had loved ones cross over. Um, and I'm an empath. Um, I guess one example of, of that, I walked out one day, I walked out of my house. I thought, I'm going to take out the trash. And it wasn't my usual time of day, but I felt urgency to get, get it done. And so I was taking the trash out and there was a search party in the neighborhood and there was people sobbing and they were looking for these babies and these babies were were I knew them they were tiny they could barely walk and they were both in diapers um a little brother and sister and um when I saw their dad and he uh he was frantic I said Jeff what's going on and he's like we've lost the babies we can't find them and um, they'd been lost for like an hour. And um, it, as soon as he told me that, I, I got really bored, looked away from him. And and I was fixated on uh, this neighbor's garage door that I saw open. And I felt so curious, so curious and drawn to it. And so I just was like a magnet just pulled over there. And I'm like, well, I hope they don't mind, but I'm going to walk into their garage because I could see at the end of their garage, there was a door open. And I walked through the door into their backyard and um, there was a tent. And, and I walked up to the tent and I'm like, mm, I can't figure out how it was all zipped up. I'm like, how do you open this thing up? And as soon as I was thinking that um, something hit the side of the tent and there was this loud squeal and it was the babies. They scared the crap out of me. I fell back and they had been hiding in there the whole time. Hmm. And, <laughs> but the, the thing was, was, uh, it was like, just, just paying attention to the feelings. I feel everything so strongly. I felt what I felt, what they were feeling. They felt curious about the garage. So they went back there and then I was curious about the tent. So were they, they were, that's how they got inside of it. And then I felt, you know, when I, when I screamed out, you know, I found them and I, I felt everything the parents felt just complete relief. And, uh, the mother was actually, uh, I felt her rage. She was angry. And, um, later I asked my neighbor about it and he said, yeah, I forgot to 
fixed the hole in the fence and the babies got out and it's my fault. So she was pissed off. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I have a knack for finding money and um, that's like lost kids. And um, like I, I, ever since I was little, I've tuned into um, like, I, I, I could feel everybody around me and I like I've saved children from drowning more than once. Um, it's just a knowingness, like it's hard to explain, but just tuned in, I guess. Hmm. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I hope that my weird experiences help you to come to terms with yours um, because listening to your show, Jeff, has been so helpful. Um, and I've found people who have experiences like mine or they know about my experiences and they're helping me and giving me support. Um, so um, I also want to extend my support. So uh, anybody who reaches out to me, you're not alone. And um, this is a strange, strange universe. This is a strange experience. Um, and uh, the lucky ones get the cookie cutter version, I guess. <laughs> I I didn't get that version. So it's okay not to. Tina, thank you for your message. And thank you for being our guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you for having me. I wish you the best, Jeff. Thank good you. Good night. Thank you and good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.